Welcome to I Am Goddess Collective Podcast, a sacred space for empowerment through modern magic, spiritual activism, and reclaiming your power. I am your host, Nixie Marie, feng shui practitioner, earth activist, and mystic here to support and inspire your journey in becoming the change you wish to see in this world. That change starts within. Join myself and fellow thought leaders, metaphysical experts, and luminaries each week as we explore practical and magical ways to living in your highest alignment. Your journey as an empowered goddess begins here. Let's dive in. Hello, lovely ladies and soul brothers, soul sisters, everybody listening to the podcast today. Welcome back to the place where we dive deep and find a deeper connection to ourselves in many ways and just remember that we're not alone here on this journey. And uh, it's an honor to be able to facilitate this beautiful collective. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I just uh, got back from a amazing weekend spending time on my sailboat with my man and some friends, Ella, uh, which is the name of the sailboat. For those of you guys that haven't heard, maybe I I'm a sailor. I love the ocean and I just, I got dive certified over the summer. So I've been having lots of fun being a mermaid, (laughs) a real life mermaid. And it's really led me to, uh, find a deeper connection with the planet in a different way. And like just being underwater and breathing underwater, which is so not a common thing. It's uh, very cool. And I'm falling deeper and deeper in love with the ocean. I've always, always been a mermaid and ocean, ocean babe, like growing up around Orange County and some of those amazing beaches and Laguna Beach and stuff. But I, over the years in my twenties have sort of disconnected from it because I've been so busy trying to make my dreams happen. So now I feel like I'm kind of going back, going backwards and finding myself again. So it was an amazing weekend. We went to Catalina, spent uh, that weekend over Labor Day and just having fun. For those of you guys that don't know what Catalina is, it's like this little island outside of uh, LA and or any time, any, anywhere really in the Southern side of California. And you can go there by boat. It's an island. So it's got amazing snorkeling and dive spots and, uh, definitely really interesting island has Buffalo on the island. And that was there due to a, uh, a movie, I believe by John Wayne. I think that's the story my boyfriend told me. I kind of forgot, but, um, I could be wrong, but I should look it up and see, cause it's a cool story how Buffalo ended up on this Island. So, um, anyways, enough about my rambling and being a mermaid, but I have a very special guest, you guys, on the show. And I I know I say this a lot that we've got a special guest, but uh, this is actually, it was such an honor to be able to interview this lovely goddess, woman, divine priestess, because she has been an actual real mentor for me in many ways as I really stepped into this divine feminine leadership space. And uh, she did that with her book that I found at a friend's place. Uh, Once upon a time, I was staying at her house and I was looking through her bookshelf. And this one book really called to me and it was called um, Sacred Sexual Union. And uh, it was just really transformative because it talked a lot about sacred sexual unions and how you can initiate a, a union that isn't really on the belief systems of the traditional marriage, I believe. Uh, and I'm definitely not a very traditional 
women. I know a lot of you guys here probably aren't either. Uh, I definitely have found myself studying more on the esoteric sides of life and hence why we have this podcast. But ultimately, the biggest things that I learned from this book was just that I these feelings that I had around not really feeling the traditional relationship status quo types, I felt like I was being heard and I felt like I was being seen in this book. So uh, I started following Anaya's work from there, which was about, I don't know, three and a half, four years, no, before like four or five years ago. And uh, she's just been someone who has a very deep connection to these outer worlds and someone who's a good, good example of like living in 5d consciousness. She's always out there pulling in this, this stream of collective medicine for us all. So I'm very excited. And I don't know if you guys can tell that I got to interview her and it was just such an honor to, um, sit there and chat with her. So we've, we, we went into a lot of this sacred union work and, um, her perspective on, twin flames and all that, and also just stepping into your divine feminine power. So very excited about that. Um, but before we dive in, you guys know I love to share all the things that are happening, uh, some news updates, some amazing reviews. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for some of the shout outs that I've been receiving on Instagram. For those of you guys that are following our page, I am Goddess Collective Podcast. You guys are awesome. I've been getting some really cool DMs and uh, just some some love notes about how this podcast has really inspired your journey or transformed you in any way, shape or form. And, you know, this is definitely something that I, when I see these, I just light up and I really thank you and just hearing how it resonates with you. So thank you so much. If you guys haven't followed our Instagram, go on over there. We do definitely daily inspirational quotes and motivation. And I don't know, Instagram's an interesting thing. I, I, it's a love hate for me, but I do definitely love what it does provide. So, um, head on over there and follow us. And, um, also if you haven't joined our Facebook group yet, I am goddess collective. You can find it on Facebook search engine and join us over there. It's definitely a fun place for us to connect and talk about some of the things that we, you know, discuss on the podcast that, we can have a little bit more of a deeper conversation or if any questions come up around it um, or just suggestions, topics, things we're all working through as we navigate this world and life as a mystic. So head on over there and check us out. Join the join the coven. Um, and speaking of joining the coven, have you even checked out the I Am Goddess Collective coven that we've got called the Goddess Life Membership. It is a place for sisterhood, for healing, for self-love, for nourishment. And I think the biggest feedback of testimonials I've received is that it's, it's, it's a space that provides that connection to a community that maybe someone's been missing. You know, you don't have a big community with the same general belief systems or just overall cool, awesome things like, you know, talking about the moon or talking about uh, the energy forecast of the month. I do a tarot card reading every single month that does sort of talks about some of the topics that we might be seeing into the months. And so 
Each and every month we have a theme and based on that theme, I do guided meditations and we do a full moon ritual, which this, this last month we actually switched gears a little bit and we did a new moon ritual. So that was fun because we got to drop in and set intentions versus releasing and kind of feeling through a lot of the emotions. And, um, so we talk about a goddess. So if you're familiar with some of the goddesses or you're more interested in working with the goddesses, we talk about them on inside the coven as well. So you can kind of get a deeper connection and understanding of how to work with them. And uh, we're also going to be introducing an app in October. So in October, you will actually have this this app that is solely for our community. So instead of being on like Facebook groups, um, anything like that, this app is specifically designed for the Goddess Life membership. And inside of it, you will have forums, you will have all the members where you can connect with them, you can connect with me one on one. Uh, If you have any questions, or you just want to, you know, just get some guidance real quick. It's definitely a really cool thing. And I'm very excited to be introducing that and adding that to the membership. And the membership is super affordable, but it is going up in October. So right now it's $22 a month. It will be going up to $29.99 at the end of this uh, or at the beginning of October. So get in there and sign up now before the prices go up because I'm adding all this more content to it. Um, I just definitely want to make sure that I'm bringing the value and that it's all being evenly exchanged. So head on over to IamGoddessCollective.com and sign up. Join the coven and uh, meet your sisters that have been listening to the podcast, but you know, you, you're you not connected with them because you don't know who they are. Well, they're in the coven. So join us. I would love to see your face and connect with you on a deeper level. All right. So we've got Anaya Sophia on the show today, you guys. Very excited. Just inviting you to sit back, relax and enjoy this transmission because it is definitely a big one and uh, you'll definitely feel a shift after this podcast episode. All right, sisters, let's dive in. Hello, beautiful goddesses. I'm so, so honored and thrilled to bring you the guests that we have for this week's interview. We've got Anaya Sophia, who is one of uh, really a mentor for me. And I'm just so excited. I love your work. It was funny because I actually told uh, one of my dear friends who I found one of your books that I'm going to be interviewing you. And she's like the only person that knew who you were out of most of the friends. So I was laughing because I'm like, she's a big mentor for me, but I'm very excited to introduce all of the listeners here who you are. So welcome to the show, Anaya. Oh, thank you so much. It's a real privilege to be here with you all. Well, so a little background on some of her work. Anaya Sophia is a Mirafor, mistress of sacred oils, mystic, and author of Relevatory Wisdom. She carries an oral mystery that stirs the remembrance of a continuous lineage with the feminine principle that throughout the centuries has preserved its spiritual dignity without the need for permission or recognition from any other source. She is recently announcing her book, The Fierce Feminine Rising, and she addresses the obstacles of silence, conditioning, and programming that attempt to maintain slavery to a system that is destroying the earth and our minds. So, wow, what a mouthful. I mean, there's so much more of your work, but welcome. I mean, I'm so excited to dive in. (laughs) Me too. 
So why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, I know you're an, also an initiated priestess of the Rose lineage and which is the, uh, like the grail lineage. So can you tell me a little bit about what that is and how you really got your journey, your journey here? Well, for me, the Rose lineage is a mitochondrial feminine tradition, which is an oral tradition. It is that the awakening codes are passed from mother to daughter. Sometimes there's periods where that DNA, the mitochondria DNA is the DNA that gets passed through the feminine line, where that DNA is dormant and sleeping, and rightfully so. And then all of a sudden, uh, it awakens, and there's a heck of a full-on mission that is presented to that one that has woken up. And uh, so that one may serve for the remainder of their lifetime, and maybe it gets passed on to the daughter and on and so forth. And then it may sleep again for a few centuries. So it's, it's a feminine-based DNA coding. Mary Magdalene was part of this. Isis was part of this. Hathor. Mother Mary, um, and and many mystics before and after them. Mm. But I have a feeling that uh, a great many of us in this tradition is awakening now and, and absolutely because of exactly what's happening on our planet right now as, as we're being backed and edged into this corner for us to not only awaken but marry that with action-based service to the all, basically. Yeah. Wow. I will definitely agree with you there. I think that's a big part of this uh, rise of the divine feminine. So that was one of my questions for you. I was going to ask, you know, like, what is the rise of the divine feminine? What do you, what is your perspective on it? There are a lot of different, um, like conversations I have with other fellow mystics and it seems everyone has a similar vision, but you know, what is yours? For me, the rise of the divine feminine is a feminine tradition that is in both man and woman. It appears as if it's ladies first. (laughs) So the actual women are awakening and allowing this transformation first, but it really is in both genders. And it's kind of like an incremental step-by-step process. So first of all, we have to like detune and denumb ourselves from the emotions that the feminine is permitted and encouraged to feel then after that then will be some sort of permission granted to the self to actually acknowledge those emotions then there will be a speaking up and a speaking out of what we intuitively absolutely know but have been keeping silent on and then at that point, when that is truly and genuinely spoken without agenda, manipulation, or coercing in any way, then the sacred masculine has a chance to rise and to meet that divine feminine. And the sacred masculine is going to be like the brotherhood, the guardianship that 
kind of protects our back as we usher in this new world. And if there Mm. is any trouble, if there is any conflict, then it's the sacred masculine that will step forth from our side and step out and into the front and take care of matters in only the way that the masculine can. So it's kind of like a tag team. We're doing this together, but the feminine is going first. Mm. And it's about ruffling feathers. It's about speaking out. It's about rocking the boat. It's talking about the elephant in the room. It, the the expose that we've been seeing recently of teachers and priests and politicians and movie directors. This is mm. it. This is what the feminine has been silently agreeing to, but now awakening from that slumber and saying, absolutely not, not on my watch, no more. Mm. Wow, so powerful. I... Um, just, you know, really feeling and tuning into this realization that we've been, we've been preparing for this for centuries, you know, but to, to be a part of this experience now, watching it happen, being a voice for it, you know, really getting involved is such an honor. And, you know, it's, it's interesting how we all have been able to like really shed these layers and step into this fierce feminine, you know, and with that being said, what about your book with this new book that you're coming out with the fierce feminine rising? Like, what is that really, what is your intention with that? What is your vision for that, for this book to be released? The intention and and the understanding I had is that there's a twofold process going on. There are influences out there looking to keep us enslaved and conditioned and submissive and serving the agenda out there. And there's also exactly the same quality of energy encircling us and looking for a little crack in the consciousness to actually get into our own thoughts and mimic our own voice. Mm. So we have to be so vigilantly careful and have like a 360 degree radial awareness, not only of what's being played out in front of us for real in the 3D, but absolutely eavesdropping in on the quality of conversation we're having on the inside as well. You could Mm. say this is the dark agenda or the matrix or the whatever. It could also be an accumulation of vaccinations, Wi-Fi, 5G, crappy food, toxic relationships, way too much time on the computer. And so what it's done is it's kind of muddled our thinking. It's made everything kind of slightly stained and toxic and a little bit unhealthy, but it's all stemming from the mind. The sleep state is stemming from the mind and and the influence is stemming from the mind. And hence we go out and create all of these crazy things that we create. So the thing about the fierce feminine rising is to really play, play close attention 
to what we are thinking and feeling and dreaming and visioning Mm. and to simply not allow that influence into the self, into our relationships, because relationships is another little sneaky area where we seem to think it's okay to talk to one another in that sort of disgraceful and dishonorable way. You know, behind closed doors, quite terrible and tragic things can happen. Mm. The spiritual teacher doesn't live with us. The guru is not at home with us. And so we can easily slip back into old ways of communicating, behaving, and throwing our energy around. Mm. Yeah, I know you do a a lot of work with um, speaking on conscious communication between partners. So, you know, for those that are listening in a partnership or anticipate being in one, what are some guidance you have to really practice that, you know, conscious communication or coming from a place more from the heart versus reacting, you know, whether that be emotionally or physically or, you know, anything of that means because I think that it's uh, really important to in today's world to really practice that and that's one of the things that I've really learned a lot from you actually. Hmm. I would say for me what's at the the ground of my being and also my relationship with Pete is this internal sacred marriage so the the daily check-in with breath with yoga with dance my own masculine and feminine energy. So when I'm checking in with my masculine self, I'm checking in with the quality of truth that I'm telling to him and everyone else and also myself. So for me, truth is the word that sums up my masculine energy. When I'm working with my feminine self, I'm working with the word intuition. So I'm re- I'm really bringing these two qualities together inside of my own being through these bodily practices. As a bodily practices are so important for me, and from that template that gets made in myself every morning, I then look to go out and start relating with Pete with exactly the same honor and balance. So appreciating and honoring his truthful word, and also recognizing and honoring his intuition. So the old program is like, me first, I'm better, because <laughs> that's the <laughs> patriarchal program. So now it's like really looking to value Pete um, in exactly the same way I value myself, but not losing myself in that. So it's like we're both being elevated to a king and queen status. Yeah. I mean, you're really bringing home that concept of that sacred union and that being the actual book that I initially found your work with, you know, years ago, I think that um, what really impacted me through your words and just through learning a lot more about having a conscious relationship and what it means to be in a sacred union and initiate that ultimately into my journey was 
just how much it's a dance between the two and how much it's bringing both those principles of the sacred feminine and the masculine into our whole being Mm -hmm. and how that restores the balance of our planet. And so I would love for you to speak on that is, is how these two uh, energy forms can really bring those, the balance and harmony to our planet once again. Oh, absolutely. It's my favorite conversation. (laughs) Um, I figured. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing I want to flag up is sacred union is very different to process-based relationship, which we could call conscious relationship. Process-based relationship where you're really tuning into the self analyzing what you're thinking and feeling, building a profile on the self and the other, making a mental note of one another's wounds, one another's triggers. That is wonderful up until a certain point. (laughs) For, For me, the sacred union quality of relating is where you have the fire, you have the passion, you have the the sexuality, you have the erotic innocence, you're working Mm. with processes to raise the fire and also cool everything down. You're very interested in the, the meeting place of what seems like two opposing forces. So the external, the internal, the light, the dark, the in and the out. So there's a heck of a lot more energy going into that relationship. And for me, that's the progressive form of relating. It's a little bit wild. It's a little bit bumpy. But the processed-based relationship, I personally find quite deadening. Mm. There's a great saying um, between Rumi and Shams. So when they first met, Shams took Rumi's papyrus, which was filled with his father's poetry. So if you imagine papyrus and and ink quill, and just chucked everything up and into the fountain. And of course, the water got into the parchment and started to slide the words off the page. And this is Rumi's father's poetry, his most prized possession. And he challenged Rumi and he said, when are you going to write your own prose instead of reciting your father's words? And he said, Mm. now come with me. You want the answer to this? Come with me into the desert. Now that is the energy of sacred union. (laughs) Um, You know, Rumi didn't talk, sit Shams down and, and, and say, now why did you throw those parchments into the fountain. You know these are my father's words. Where where are you coming from? What is your intention about all, all of that? Shams would have just laughed like a mad thing. And so that is the quality of sacred union. We know the healing is in the fire, the wildness, the exploration, the leaps of faith. And it's that energy that creates the sacred ground for ever deepening to come. And so you keep fresh the spirit of romance, the the desire and the longing for one another. You realize that within the other 
is the pulsing heartbeat of God, of the Great Mother, whatever whatever you're seeing there, and you just keep that vitally alive. Can you feel the two different mm. qualities? Yeah. So what I'm really hearing from you is and feeling really is like the difference is almost re- not removing the ego, but recognizing it and not acting upon the more egoic structures of like wanting to take control over someone else or mm-hmm. it's just, you know, allowing for the dynamic to be somewhat healing and nurturing and loving and trust trusting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And somehow you've got to keep these two bodies relating. I've noticed with the process-based relationships, because it's so mindy, it's only a matter of time before the sexuality goes out the window. Because you simply can't have two. You can't have these two energies relating, you know, excessive analysis and the attraction for one another sexually. Mm. I feel at this time when the human race is a little bit top heavy, particularly in the West, it would be very wise to keep the sexuality and the bonding and the intimacy, keep that part of you running. Keep that, you know, in, in England, we say the honeymoon phase, which is that, you know, that yummy desire for one another. Keep mm. it going. That's the healing medicine. There's so much we can do with one another's bodies to pull more of the self out and into operation. There's so much of us locked down and hiding in our flesh. Mm. And if we have trust and consciousness in ourselves and our partner, it is absolutely miraculous what the partner can make contact with and and bring it to the surface of our everyday being. A therapist can't do that. Even a highly skilled tantric masseuse cannot do that because the genuine wholesomeness of deep intimate trust with one other, that is how we unlock those really deep secrets from the body where we've stored them for safekeeping. Mm-hmm. We're not just going to open up willy-nilly to any old person. It's got to be the key that fits the lock. And I mm. feel that that key is made up of trust and consciousness, which again, I feel is masculine and feminine. Feminine is trust, masculine is consciousness. Mm. Wow, that's beautiful. Well, you know, I think that everyone might want to ask this question, but how does someone really know that they are in their either, you know, sacred union, alchemy, or twin soul relationship? I'm not so sure about that terminology anymore. Really? (laughs) I know 10 years ago, that was my catchphrase. 10 years later, I can look back on my own life interacting with different beings and realizing that this twin flame, soul mate, whatever, this one other, 
I feel is, again, an incremental step-by-step process that can jump bodies. Mm, Interesting. So we can meet, you know, our first beloved shows up, which was where I was 10 odd years ago. I never knew anything like it. Suddenly this being shows up and all my psychic doors open up. So, of course, I'm naturally calling this one the twin flame, the soulmate, because it is miraculous. It is a unique and sovereign experience which opens everything up. From that point, everything is now open. And so the relationship reached a stage of completion where there was a stage of integration and grieving because I deeply, deeply missed that one. But I've now moved to a certain level. And there is actually no going back. I can't imagine going back. You've seen something. You've tasted something. You you really can't accept second best anymore. You're not going to go scratching around on the ground for a few crumbs. Your your standard has been raised. It's either that again or not at all. And so I was hanging out at the not at all phase, (laughs) but obviously something must have happened because along comes my partner, Pete, who meets me at that level. And now we're starting to work on something else. So we're still at that beloved level where that trust and that consciousness is there, but we're, but we're coming in on it from a different angle. So we're meeting in the same place that that first one showed me, but totally different pathway and totally different quality of reaching that place. Mm. So that's why I feel this twin flame soulmate It could be in one union, one meeting only. And it could also reappear years later and present itself again with a a different angle, a different angle in on that depth. That is where I genuinely am right here, right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love that, you know, it's, it's, in your journey, you've had this, you know, I mean, we're all on this journey, right? Everything changes and things at one point years ago that we believed might be different now. And I think that you, you know, being in full integrity with that and realizing that shifting that is, is, you know, a beautiful thing. And I, I actually find that I agree with you because the word twin flame for me, and it's interesting because there's so many different perspectives and then it it felt like it sort of hit the mainstream and now everybody's calling everyone their twin flame and everybody's saying that. And it, it seems like it's, it's being misused in certain ways. And so for me as a whole, I always just, I, I sort of like removed that word and just said, you know, at the end of the day, we are here to learn from those who come into our path. And sometimes that can be a really rapid challenging growth. And sometimes it can be the most uh, beautifully challenged, like, you know, there's just different energetic forms within each one. So I definitely find, um, I find that perspective very satisfying actually. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. 
I mean, so when with- you do first meet that one that opens everything up, as I said, you know, there's no tu- there's no turning back. But of course, you've now seriously minimized your potential of relating in that way again. You, you, you just, you, you can't go back. You've pushed open the door. You've seen things, you've tasted things, normal relating. It doesn't bring anything anymore. So you've now really narrowed the population on the planet in which you can relate in that way. So there's huge grieving and that grieving process, I feel because it, this is what happened for me. That grieving process that comes from the meeting of someone in your soul family gets rid of centuries of grief and sadness and sorrow from the lungs, from the heart. So even though that one didn't hang around and stay, their parting gift, which is the immense sorrow, is actually very healing. But it's all right for me to say that because all of these years have passed. You try telling me that five years ago. Mm. That's why I recognized, wow, this is such a soul thing. You know, mm. this, this grief I'm feeling is getting right into the pockets of my lungs. Mm. I'm, I'm healing at such a deep level. And of course, Mm. when you read Rumi, you recognize that same process. You know, Shams has gone and there's this gaping great big hole where he once was. And yet in there is Rumi's greatest poetry. Mm. For those that aren't maybe familiar with the dynamic between Rumi and Shams, can you give us a little insight on that? Well, no one can accurately say what was it, what was really going on between these two men, because it is two men. They did have a very heart, soul, fire relationship. They called one another the beloved. They saw God, source in one another. They pushed one another into the realm of exploration and experimentation and and gnosis, so mystical states. Were they gay lovers? We don't know. All we know is this outrageous poetry that is both Mm. human and divine starts to pour through both of them. we got to remember that Shams was also another magnificent, holy poet. So... To me, it doesn't really matter. It so doesn't matter what was the, you know, what what levels of intimacy were being exchanged between these two men. What matters is the end result. This this embodiment of this divine fire that is clearly passing through both their systems. So they're two they're two Sufi poets. I'm not particularly very good with the age that they were around. But um, everyone must know Rumi. Um, Oh, yeah. I've talked. I think I've shared quotes from Rumi on the podcast. uh, And I actually have a cafe here in in Los Angeles called Rumi Cafe that I go to. And all of his poetry and books are actually around the 
the cafe and I couldn't believe that I had found it because Rumi has been a very big, uh, just leading force in my journey. And so I'm sure everybody here is somewhat familiar with Rumi, but, you know, like you said, also the dynamic between the two and just learning from a different perspective of what that dance looked like. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And again, in Rumi and Shams, we see the two opposing energies. So Shams is often known as the black lion. He's wild. He's provocative. He's pushing the envelope constantly. He's inviting Rumi into this kind of Gnostic mystical state constantly. <laughs> Whereas Rumi is very much a heart-centered being. He's very pure. He's very uh, innocent. Uh, he's, I, I often imagine him as like a, like a young Christ. And this Shams is this kind of dark-skinned, dark-eyed, sort of like intoxicating presence. And Rumi is just forever walking into him in ever deepening ways. And Shams is just like beckoning and beckoning and beckoning, literally taking Rumi right through the eye of the needle until Shams absolutely disappears. And no one actually knows what happened to him. Did he just leave and just realize, okay, job done? Was he murdered by some of Rumi's students? No one really knows. We just know that Shams simply wasn't there anymore. And then comes the next gift of this quality of relating, and that's that grief process, which is where Rumi already had a massive open heart, but this is where it went to the absolute next level. Mm. What would you say to anybody that's kind of going through that level of grief right now? (laughs) Reach. Reach for the authentic treasure that's right in the center of it all. Mm. Thank that one that's brought you to this place. Your greatest embodiment of yourself is going to emerge through this grieving process. And if they've left you, if they've gone, if they've disappeared, passed over with another person, let them go. Let them cleanly go. Don't cling. Don't hold on. Enter this dark pit of grief and find yourself, your glistening golden self in the center of it all. Don't wish and hope that they'll come back that's that's just a real waste of precious psychic energy dive into the center find yourself Mm. and I you always have a way of bringing like tears to my eyes (laughs) every time I hear some of the things that you say it's just uh bringing home so much truth and wisdom and and gem you're just a gem and you know, it's in, in grief as a whole, I think it, it puts us in such vulnerability and it puts us in this place of deep sorrow and sadness, but you know, it's like the metaphor of the butterfly. And I really believe that, you know, through all of it, like you said, you know, reaching in is where we rebirth once again. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. 
Well, on a on another note, you know, I'm so interested and fascinated with your work on with Mary Magdalene, as she's also been such a guiding force in my life and my work uh, and my journey. So, if you could just kind of give a little insight on, you know, who she who she was, who she is to you, and how you work with her. For me, Mary Magdalene is the high priestess. When I say high priestess, I don't mean out of reach and lofty. I mean wholesome, honest, comforting, beautiful, totally available feminine presence that walked with Yeshua, hand in hand with Jesus, side by side. She carried within her the feminine-based mysteries, the bodily practices and processes that go alongside that beautiful transmission that Yeshua, Jesus brought through. So together, they had the whole picture. He was bringing in those gorgeous light codes of forgiveness and sovereignty and reaching for that all absolute and only transmission. Whereas she was bringing through the working with the the body in such a way that you can release trauma and a disconnection. And, you know, back in those days, you'd have said things like evil, demonic spirits. In our language, we might say narcissism or bipolar or traumatic states, PTSD. It's the same thing. It's exactly Mm -hmm. the same thing, different words. And so, My journey with Mary is to be brave enough to even, A, think this stuff through in my own imagination, these bodily practices, because no one's taught me. I haven't been trained. So first of all, I've got to be brave enough to think it through and and to see the whole visual portray itself inside of my mind. And then stage two is to wrestle up a few humans and say, hey, does anyone want to try this with me? And and that is the process I've been on with her. And this manifestation is what I've been calling sacred body awakening, which is a, um, a coming together with two other women. It's, it's women only to begin with. Then when we're brave enough and ready enough, in come the men. So it's a community exchange. And then another area I'm branching into is is to be that third person in a committed couple. So to play, play that role of that third person. And this is a very, this can be a naked interaction because there is so much coding and healing that happens with the bare skin. Mm. It includes the whole of the body. But again, we go there slowly, cautiously, and carefully, step by step. It brings in so much lovely healing between the women, the sisterhood, the restoration of the sisterhood. About a month ago, we did a sacred body with men and women. We were all singles, myself and Pete were the only sort of couple present. 
And so we just entered <laughs> this this wonderful and scary coming together with one another in a very appropriate and clean and vertical way. Mm. I don't know about anyone else, but I have come to so many tantric circles in, in different countries where I was always, I felt compromised, felt violated. Mm. I felt like, hang on a minute, this isn't true. This isn't honest. Can't really see how this is spiritual. It felt like a free-for-all, felt like a, some sort of love fest that right. everyone was just using everyone's sort of like naivety to take advantage of one another's close proximity to nakedness or, or, or bodily parts. It was just basically, it was just dodgy. <laughs> it was just dodgy <laughs> tantric circles. Yep. No real healing going on. Definitely not spiritual. No, no progression, no evolution. It was just a little bit sickening, to be honest. And so I'm a little bit of a psychic hawk. <laughs> I'm trying my, my absolute hardest to keep that energy pure. There's mm. no agenda. There's no manipulation. The fancying, you know, I kind of fancy you, that's really down to bare minimum. I'm asking people to go beyond that and to show up because of the heart and the soul and the ancestors and the absolute tragic state of our planet. And, you know, and humans are beautiful little beings. All you have to do is to appeal to their heart and their spirit, and they will follow. They're like, oh, right, yeah, 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 okay. I, I'll, I'll meet you on that level. You know, our own little, like, oh, I quite like the look of him. That can be put on the shelf when you appeal to someone's higher nature to show up for more reasons than that. And, you know, where, where the heck else are we going to find this level of community healing? Because I haven't found it. Only by creating this space and being really, really honest with my energy have I come into pro close proximity of actually feeling a genuine healing space where mm. we can work out our sexual shame and awkwardness and bodily loathing and all of that stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I've been more solitary with that type of work because mm. it's always, you know, I, I personally am, I'm from LA and it's, as you, I'm sure everybody knows, like LA is kind of this hub of um, spirituality and there's a lot of it all in your face sometimes, especially if you're in like myself in the industry of it. So um, intuitively, I've always felt like a little uncomfortable in and I'm sure I could dive deeper into like the why, <laughs> why I'm feeling yes. uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, um, but I think you nailed, you know, some of the, the, the realities that it's really important to, for those that are interested in that path, like tantric energy, working with that and have, has a partner who's also interested or you're just solo, you know, it's important to be mindful and aware of the energies at play and the overall intention of why the you know, let's say leader or practitioner or um, guide is is creating those circles. And I think just going back to like Mary Magdalene and, and Jesus and <clears throat> what their teachings really for me were is that sacred union, the alchemy of of bringing home that sacred sexuality and not having shame and 
there's just so much to unpack and unravel with their story. So, uh, you know, compassion and understanding and listening and tuning in. And for me, that's really where Mary Magdalene has played such a huge role in my life is to, to remind myself, you know, of that of that compassion, just like sort of the Kuan Yin energy, you know, um, but there's a little bit more force with her, with Mary Magdalene. She has, she has a very strong force at times (laughs) that I feel in a powerful way. Yeah. You could easily say, and I think it would be quite truthful to say that Mary Magdalene and, and, you know, the other Marys that were around prepared and got Yeshua's energy ready for the crucifixion, or we can use the language of today for the initiation, for the three-day initiation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's always, that always feels very good to speak that out into a circle. Mary prepared him energetically. She prepared his flesh to endure what he had to endure. Well, to me, that is fascinating. And the first thing is, is how, right? I was wow, just let's thinking do that. that. <laughs> let's figure out how we do that because we're being bombarded with energy every day. We've all probably got some level of PTSD. So if we can find these bodily practices that put us underneath our own radar, you know, we can get underneath our own nervous tension and anxiety and find that smooth, somatic, deep space where restoration and resurrection can, ha- can happen on like a weekly basis or at least like a lunar basis. Mm. Because we are so going to need this work in these coming years with, with this climate crisis. We're going to be probably seeing and feeling a lot of stuff that our generation has never, ever seen and felt. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, mm. it's like whatever Yeshua went through, um, perhaps we're all going to go through our own version of that. So by golly, we need our Mary Magdalene. We, mm. we need how do we do this? How do we come out the other end? Oh, yeah. Wow. And I really, I think that it comes down to remembering, and this is where we all are right now, even those listening to the podcast now that are committed to that remembrance and intuition and gifts. And I I really think that might be the clue, like the how, you know, is we probably know some part of us deep down inside probably does know. Yes. And it's just remembering, yes. you know, and, and tuning back in and learning from each other as women. And that's a tough one too. You know, I see, I, I do see in our world how we've had so many stories with, with other sisters and the programming of jealousy and comparison and that alone is some of the work that I personally have really dedicated to deprogramming because it is necessary for us all to stand together at the end of the day. Absolutely. And thank you for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything that we're doing is part of this greater cause, you know, and it's, um, it's just time for 
like you're, like you said, you know, to really bring back the essence of Mary and all of this and how to be the Marys and, you know, it's, it's very sacred. So, yeah. But it, it takes us back to, you know, our, our first opening conversation, the rose line. This is the rose line. This is what the rose line carries. These traditions, these oral codings, these transmissions, these bodily practices that put us totally and absolutely in connection with source energy again. This is what's been tried to be, you know, pushed and squashed and forbidden and and tortured out of people. This, this is the one and the same thing. It's always been here and there's always been a great big agenda to keep it quiet and silent and ineffective and, and no one can find it. This is what this mitochondrial DNA carries. How humans can reconnect genuinely and sovereignly to their source energy. They know who they are, where they've come from, where they're going. They are awake. And here we are now as a species totally being backed up into the corner. And if any of us even has a hint that we might be part of this and, and that our body does contain some sort of memory and remembrance, then, then please, please find the way, find the sacred space, find the people and the circumstance that's going to bring you into contact with that. Hmm. You know, I think what, what are some ways that you would say are going to help support that? I know, you know, tantric working with sacred energy, sexual energy is one of them, but what are some other ways for those that maybe, you know, aren't quite there yet? I would say anything that ignites your longing so that could be dance, that could be poetry, that could be a vision quest in nature. We, we need some sort of initiation, I would say, that awakens and, and, and opens up those psychic doorways. Uh, Andrew Harvey is a great one. He's, he's really my mentor. He always suggests that we head in the direction of that which breaks our heart the most, which of course is the direction we don't want to go. But like that grieving process, that is where we're going to find our medicine. Mm. Any Anything that gets us into the body mm. and linked up to that natural energy I suspect that's that's the path, that's the way to remember. Well, I, I love how everything you you bring at home is always so poetic. <laughs> it's always like I feel like I'm I've been dancing with you this entire time and we are coming to a close. I I feel like I could just sit here and listen to you and talk about stories all day long. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I would love to just wrap some things up with, you know, your up and coming book, The Fierce Feminine Rising, and uh, how everybody can stay in tune with that, uh, where they can find you and anything else that you have as far as announcements go. 
Well, yes, that book's coming out on the 7th of January, 2020, along with an audio version, which I'm going to be narrating, which is really rather fabulous because I use my voice a lot. And so um, I've been given this permission to, to really emphasize certain parts of the message, you know, really go into that transmission field um, so that the real, the deeper feeling can be felt in the listener's heart because this really is a heart transmission. It's an appeal. It's like a, a merciful appeal to awaken for so many reasons than, than just the individual self. So it's, uh, it's definitely a catalyzing, it's like a body of work. It's an oral and written body of work which I feel, which I hope, has really come from the genuine fierce feminine that is awakening in us all. I feel that everything that could possibly come through me will be caught within that audio book. I was thinking of going to the States and doing a whole three-month tour with workshops and everything, but I'm, I'm kind of like looking at the aviation thing and kind of going, I don't even know if I can justify that at this time, you know, when we're hearing what we're hearing about the climate. I do feel, I haven't recorded the audio book yet, but I do feel I can pour my heart and soul into that and the whole transmission will be in there. So I mm. don't have to jump on a plane and I don't have to pump any more aviation fuel out into the atmosphere. Mm. Um, otherwise, I'm here, you know, <laughs> on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, doing quite a lot of online stuff regularly and just keeping that transmission going. Well, I love it. Again, I'm just a huge supporter of all of your work and your wisdom. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your transmission here with us today. I know that everybody's probably going to feel like that sacred. You just bring that, that, you know, priestess of the rose energy. And it's been such an honor to sit in your energy today. So um, I love to finalize interviews and ask my guests this last and final question. What do you do to invoke your inner goddess? I would say for me currently, because I live at the French Pyrenees, I've got access to those pristine Eden valleys. And I do my best to walk around those valleys barefoot, with an open heart, and really connecting with nature, but in this intimate new way that I'm slowly remembering, where the inner part of me is absolutely no different to the inner part of her. Mm. And that is where I definitely get my medicine. That is what I intend to pour into other people's inner spaces. I'm doing my very best to embody the natural world. I know that might sound a bit strange, <laughs> but uh, that is actually where I'm getting my erotic force from these days. The actual, well, 
you know, the opening and closing of the natural world, the opening and closing of flowers, the rising of tree sap deep inside the tree trunk. This to me is 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 the new erotic force. Ooh. That's how wow. deeply I'm I'm getting into nature. And all of this is coming from that place. Mm, so yummy. I can <laughs> feel it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Oh, thank you so much again, Anaya. It's such a blessing. Mm. Thank I you, hope my you. gorgeous one. Please <laughs> continue to do what you're doing and more. Oh, thank you. Well, I absolutely will. I'm absolutely will. And I hope that this really inspires others, you know, to be on that journey and be on that path and wrap it up with a really beautiful connection to nature. Cause that's ultimately my like biggest why I'm surrounded by trees and mountains. And, um, I think that that's where nature is our greatest teacher. So thank you. All right, sisters. Well, it's been such a pleasure to sit with you all in this sacred space and I will see you all next time. I love you. I hear you. I see you. Bye for now. Bye.